Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> We just launched our Patreon exclusive Discord server. Discord, if you don't know, is an online chat room. We can talk about anything you want, and we've got a very own private Hawk and Cleaver place on there. It's a place for supporters of the show, but also creators, so the writers, narrators, editors, and you, all under one roof. We'll be hosting a few brainstorming sessions on there for writing the stories for the coming themes of the other stories. So if you want in, go to patreon.com forward slash Hawk and Cleaver and pledge from as little as a dollar a month. Also, you heard right, we're open for submissions again. Head to theotherstories.net forward slash submissions for more info on the themes and deadlines. Once again, that's theotherstories.net forward slash submissions. Today's episode of The Other Stories is The Apothecary's Cure, written by Chris Lilienthal and narrated by Jasmine Arch. The Apothecary worked out of her home in town. Ernest Timmons knew of her by reputation only when he arrived on her doorstep and rang the bell. The front door opened and the woman beckoned him in with a wave. She wore a denim skirt and a white peasant blouse. Her stringy grey hair was pulled back into a bun and she didn't smile. You're the apothecary, Yashida? he asked. Yeah, she said, gesturing for him to sit. My name is Ernest Timmons, he said. I spoke to you earlier about memory deletion. Wait here. Yashida hobbled into a back room where Ernest could hear her rummaging through drawers and mumbling to herself in an unfamiliar language. She returned with a clipboard and a pen that she handed to Ernest. 
You read this, she said. You sign. Ernest skimmed the page. It covered release of liability and a laundry list of risks that he didn't care to read. He signed his name at the bottom. You understand the risks? Yashida asked. Ernest smiled. Whatever they are, they couldn't be worse than living like this. Yashida yanked the paper from the clipboard and shoved it into a manila folder. Follow. She guided him into the back room to an old dentist chair in the far corner. Aren't you going to ask me about what I want to forget? he asked. Yashida shrugged. Not my business, she said as she attended to her preparations. But how will you know what to remove if I don't tell you? Don't work that way, she said. Work like this. I give medicine, you think what trouble you, you forget. Ernest stabbed at his forehead with a handkerchief. I won't have any problem focusing on, he paused. Memory really isn't the right word, unless knowledge of your future can be called a memory. Yashida walked over to a countertop where several measuring cups and spoons were laid out. She poured an orange-coloured liquid into a drinking glass. Ernest, meanwhile, took in the dimly lit room, the furniture of dark mahogany, the colour scheme all bronzes and beiges. It made everything feel tighter around the collar. The fortune teller laid out many things about my life. Much more than I expected, Ernest said. She told me things she never could have known, from a very early age all the way up to the morning of the reading. She knew details about my family, my financial status, my professional aspirations, my love life. He held up a glass half full of an orange-coloured liquid, surprised that he was drinking it. I feel a little light-headed, he said. You are fine, Yashida replied. It relaxes you. After a moment, Ernest continued his story, slurring his words somewhat, as if his tongue was suddenly too large for his mouth. The fortune teller asked me for something personal, something that's been with me a long time. I gave her my class ring. He slipped it off his finger and held it up to catch the light. I wear it always. The moment she touched it, her expression changed. She looked sick. I asked her what was wrong. She put the ring down on the table in a panic sort of way. Huh, Yashida mumbled. She'd tell you bad things. Horrifying. she say, you die. Ernest looked up, his eyes welling in the corners. From an early age, I'd fear I'd die at the edge of a razor blade slay across my throat. He caressed his neck instinctively. Of all the things the fortune teller saw, that's what she saw most clearly in my future. Yashida came by his side with a small tumbler of clear liquid. You do right thing. You come see me. You drink, you think, you forget. Do we... Do we know each other? Ernest asked, leaning in closer to examine the creases of Yashida's face, the relaxant now in full effect. You look so familiar. Drink. Think. Forget. Yes, Ernest said, gripping the tumbler with both hands like a child. Drink. Think. Forget. It was late when the fortune teller let herself into the apothecary's home. Yashida was sitting by the fireplace. You look like hell, Yashida said, without looking up. 
And you smell like a rotting fish, the fortune teller responded, crinkling her nose. What do you want, Simon? Yashida asked. Simone was taller than Yashida. She rooted inside her large bag to retrieve a cigarette that she lit with a silver zippo. He's been to see you today, Simone said. Forty-fifth time? Forty-six? Who's counting? Thank God he always pays in cash, Simone said. Could you imagine looking back over twenty years of credit card statements and asking yourself, now why would I have paid Madame Simone forty-five times for readings I don't even remember? Why are you here, Simone? We have a problem, Simone said as she took a drag. I'm happy to take Ernest Timmons' money every five or six months to give him the same damn fortune. The man is loaded and he'll never miss it. But I'm not a ghoul, Yashida. I read his fortune knowing full well he will find his way to you to have it plucked from that bald little head of his. She pinched her fingers and made a popping sound. Six months later... He's back on my doorstep, and the cycle continues. Where is problem? Yashida asked. The problem is you, my fishy friend. You are not well. I can smell it on you clear across town. Ah, to hell with you. You can ignore symptoms, refuse treatment, live your final days in denial. That is your business. But what happens six months from now when you aren't around to fix up Mr. Ernest Timmons? No one else can do what you do, Yashida. No one. Yashida threw her head back to stare at the yellow stains on the ceiling. I be here. I no die. Now, Yashida, everyone, even your crusty old bag of bones, has an expiration date. If I go, you tell him good future. Easy. Simone shook her head. No, Yashida, it doesn't work that way. When a client sits down for a reading, I have to speak it. That's how the gift works. Then, no fortune. Send him away. So he can go seek out some other hapless seer. How is that better? That's like throwing your hands up and walking away. What you want? Yashida asked. You want I no die? Then I no die. No, dear. You need to make sure Mr. Timmons forgets once and for all. Yashida recoiled at the suggestion, her shock quickly giving way to anger. You goat! I do no such thing! You do, Yashida, Simone said, pitching the spent cigarette into the fireplace. Remember who's the fortune teller here? Yashida's eyes widened. You wrong! (sighs) I wish I were, Simone said. You tell him this? Yashida asked. Simone tilted her head to the right. Not in so many words. What do you mean? I told him he will die at the edge of a razor wielded by a dying woman. That's all I have to divulge. It's all that he needs for his fortune. Why tell me? Yashida asked. I don't know. Sometimes fate needs a little nudge. Yashida sat silently for a long time while Simone lit another cigarette. After several minutes, Yashida said quietly, I understand. Good, Simone said. I'm glad we had this conversation. As she pulled the door closed behind her, Simone saw Yashida, with a trembling hand, bless herself by the light of the fire. Five months and seven days later, Ernest Timmons took wobbly steps up to the front door of the apothecary's home. 
Yashida opened the door before he could ring. You are, he began, but Yashida cut him off, saying, Yeah, come. Ernest wondered at first if he was in the right place. This woman looked extremely old and frail. She wore a dirty grey summer dress that hung off her bony frame. Her hair was wild and balding in places. Her stretched yellow skin looked almost transparent, and a smell like decay permeated the place. Ernest then heard the voice of Madame Simone in his head. A dying woman with an unseen razor. Ernest's head began to race, and his legs felt even shakier than before. He fumbled with the locked doorknob. No! Yashida shouted. You listen! I have to go, he said breathlessly. Simone tell you, dying woman, with razor. Yashida dropped the flat razor from her right sleeve and gripped it between her thumb and index finger, waving it close to Ernest's face. She tell you, you see me, dying woman. I slit throat. Ernest slipped outside of himself, as if he were watching it all unfold on a movie screen. Not me, Yashira said, dropping the razor to the floor. I fix this. I fix this for good. With a surprisingly strong arm around his shoulders, Yashira guided Ernest into the back room, where Simone was gagged and tied to the dentist's chair. She attempted a muffled scream at the sight of them. Yashida limped over to her and untied the handkerchief round her mouth. Ernest, no longer there but watching a movie, comfortable and safe, waited to see what happened next. Run! Call the police, you jackass! Simone yelled at Ernest, who didn't move. She lie, Yashida said to Ernest. I no want you dead. She want you dead. For twenty years she plot. You no remember. I make you forget. You come back, and she plot. She's out of her goddamn mind! She's the dying woman with a razor and she's gonna kill us both! No, Yashida said to Simone. I no kill you. He kill you. What? Ernest cried, jolted awake. You slit Simone's throat, Yashida said, or she slit yours. Another flat razor dropped from her left sleeve that she offered to Ernest. This is crazy, he said, taking a step back. I'm not having any of this. Standing up a little straighter, Yashida leaned in closer to Ernest and whispered, You take no action? Let's all calm down and talk this out, he said. Coward, you no do this. I will. Ernest stepped forward and said, No, but before he could get another word out, Yashida ripped the razor across the pale, squishy flesh of his neck, blood billowing forth like water escaping through a broken dam. Then she pounced on him, knocking him to the ground and lapping up the fountain of red that poured forth from the crooked gash. The look of terror in his eyes was so familiar. So many times Yashida had seen it in that back room. Simone, open-mouthed, said nothing for a while. Then... After Ernest stopped thrashing about, she whispered, You actually did it! Yashida stood up. Her hair was jet black now, full and thick, her wrinkles gone, the skin of her face a smooth alabaster, stained red around the nose and mouth. I always saw it, but I could never see it all, Simone said. I feed. You? Him? No difference to me. Yashida kicked Ernest's corpse with her left boot.
Later, after Simone had helped Yashida carry and deposit the body into a meat freezer in the basement, the two sat down to enjoy some wine that Yashida found in the kitchen. After some casual, if somewhat uncomfortable conversation, Simone worked up the nerve to ask Yashida the question she couldn't stop thinking about. How long until you feed again? No worries, Simone, Yashida said with a raspy laugh. Years? Decades? In future. After your... expiration date, you say? Simone smiled and the two clinked glasses. Odd, Simone said after sipping the wine. Hmm? I feel like we've been here before. In this room. Drinking this wine. Toasting your... rejuvenation? Simone slowly raised her glass to eye level and noticed a bright orange tint to the Chardonnay. Why do I feel so lightheaded? she asked. You are fine, Yashida said. It relaxes you. Yashida took the glass from Simone's hand and replaced it with a tumbler of clear liquid. I call it Apothecary's Cure, she said with a smile. It make you feel good, every time. How much longer must we keep doing this? Simone asked. Drink, dear. I don't want to do this with you anymore, she said, her words running together. Drink. Think. Forget, Yashira said. Simone closed her eyes. She could see all her past lives, spanning the centuries and the seven continents, laid plain before her. All the different versions of herself born and died and born again. Yashida was there, life after life, always the same, always renewed, always Yashida. Threading her one life to Simone's many, Simone wanted nothing more than to strip the seam, to free herself of the death and carnage that perpetuated Yashida through the ages. I don't want this anymore, Simone grunted through the pain. Drink now, dear. Yashira said soothingly. Forget yesterday. Live tomorrow. Next day. Together. You and I. Always. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. The Apothecary's Cure was written by Chris Lilienthal and narrated by Jasmine Arch edited by Duncan Muggleton with music by Andrew K.N. and Tom Robson and sound effects provided by freesound.org The episode illustration provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House Chris Lilienthal, I hope I'm pronouncing that right by the way is a writer and communications professional he lives with his wife, two sons and two dogs in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania I hope I'm pronouncing that name of that town right as well you can follow him on Twitter at, at Chris Lilienthal that's spelled at Chris L-I-L-I-E-N T-H-A-L Jasmine Arch is a writer, poet, narrator, podcaster and all-round chaos for brains. She lives in a nook of Belgian countryside with two horses, four dogs and a husband who knows better than to distract her when she's writing. Her work has appeared or is forthcoming in the other stories at newmyths.com and hybrid fiction among others. You can find out more about her work at jasminearch.com. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. You can join our book club and movie club and chat about the podcast over at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash hawk and cleaver. T-shirts and mugs and posters are available at gumroad.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. The Other Stories is a production of the story studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means share the hell out of it. So, 
Until next time.